Welcome to all the new members of this class. So, we've just finished one book, Governing Business and Relations, which was a basic book introduction to Vedanta. So, for the people who come for the first time, don't worry about that. Anything you don't understand, um, just ask me. Yeah. So, now we've finished that book, uh, we have some basic idea of what life is all about. Some idea of who we are, what the world is, and what our goal in life is. Is that, is that right? Did we, did we get that from the first book, everyone? Okay. So we now study this short book titled Bhaja Govindam. Now, um, it's on the big book, it's 777, Josh Navin, correct? Uh, yeah, the actual preface is 777. <coughs> okay, so we're going to start with uh, verse 1, by the way. 783. 783 in your book? Yeah, there are different prints. Oh, uh, uh, okay. So just get to verse 1. Uh, who hasn't got a book to, sh to uh, this to here? Which I doesn't need. Okay. Anybody else? Okay. So we're going to study this short book called Bhaja Govindam. Bhaja Govindam means seek the self. We all said, we all described what the self was in previous class. For the newcomers, as a human being, we're made up of the body, the physical body we see, the mind, and the intellect, and the spirit, self, God, God principle within us. So this is the four components we're made up. What is our goal in life? Is to find out who we really are, which is the spirit, the God principle within us. All the scriptures are saying, you're not this body, mind, and intellect. You're self, you're God. All these scriptural text is telling us this is who we are and this is our goal in life to find out and become one with that spirit. So this book, 31 verses, says seek the self means this is your goal. Go beyond our material layers, the body, mind and intellect and become one with the self, Atman, Brahman, God principle, whatever you want to call it. Where is this Brahman God principle located, we said? Within. Within us. We go to temples and places of worship to remind us of God, but actually God is within us. This is what everyone is, all scriptures are saying, it's within us. You don't need to go anywhere else, just look within. So these texts tell us how to do that. So any effort you make in life that takes you towards the spirit, the self, 
within is regard and that is considered as being spiritual. Is that clear? Any attempt you make to do that? Now here we're, this, we're, we're, um, we're discussing the subject of the self. So any effort after this you make to, to become one with that is become, you're regarded as being spiritual. So this text tells us how to navigate in the world and helps us to do this. Let's face it, the world is very attractive. We easily get lost within the world. Perceptions, emotions, and thoughts. Perceptions, body, five senses. Emotions, mind. Intellect, thoughts. So the body is physical body we see. The mind has emotions, likes and dislikes. The intellect is what makes us think. Yeah. Just remember those three things. Whenever I say intellect, it's that principle within you that allows you to think. Shall I cross the road or won't I cross the road? This is the intellect. The mind says, quickly cross the road. You'll make it. That's the mind. The intersects, no, 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 just wait. Let this bus pass and then I'll go. That's the intellect. The component in you that reasons, thinks. So this text is made up of 31 verses. It's written by a great saint called Adi Shankacharya. He was born in 788 AD. He lived for 32 years. He's quite famous, you can Google him. He's one of the very few self-realized souls who practice karma, bhakti, and jnanam. So he's a man with all those three principles. He walked the width and length of India 14 times, building temples. So that was the service to humanity, karma. He was also very devotional, wrote many bhajans, poems. Even these 31 verses we're going to study, you can check on YouTube. It's been sung by great classical singers, so he's quite famous. He was also, verse, also well versed in the scriptures, so he was also an intellectual. So, you know, there's the three yogas, bhakti, karma, jnana. In the Bhagavad Gita, it says the three yogas. It prescribes the three yogas to us as humans to get back to the self, to reach our goal as a, in, as a human being. So he was a man of all three. He practiced all three. We said uh, Swami Narayan is more karma-based. They do a lot of service. What we study in GBR was more intellectual. Yeah, there wasn't hardly any devotional in there. So this person was all three. So he, it's a lot more people are interested in him because there are many devotional, many um, karma yogi, there's many intellectual. So this, this uh, Sankacharya, he is, attracts all of them. That's why he's quite famous. So this text is referred to as delusion lifter, moha mudagar, meaning it helps remove your ignorance. Right now we are ignorant of the knowledge of the self, the God. This is why we're here, yeah, to understand that. So this text helps remove some of that ignorance. Yeah, we've come here to learn about the self because we are not, we don't know about it. So this is why we're here. So this text is called that because it removes some of that ignorance.
So, Baja Govindam, which we're going to study in a minute, it, I'm just giving an introduction to it so you know where it comes from. It's an introductory text. It prepares you before you take on the study of more subtler scriptural texts like Bhagavad Gita, the Upanishad. It's quite basic, not too subtle. You know, the last chapter we studied was very subtle, wasn't it? Yeah, I think quite a few of you had headaches afterwards that day. <laughs> so um, this isn't as subtle as that. It gives you practical tips that you, can, that you can apply straight away in your life. So how did this text originate? So it's a conversation between Sankacharya and his disciples. They're walking on the bank of the Ganges one day, yeah, 800 AD. When we call uh, Sankacharya Sankara for short, yeah? He saw a grammarian, a, a scriptural scholar, trying to pronounce certain scriptural words. He was practicing how to pronounce it. And he's putting a lot of emphasis to that. So Shankara points out to the seeker, get to the spirit of the text, the philosophy. Don't spend so much time caught up in the words. This is what he said to him. What it means is we read a lot of Quranic stories, stories of gods, Krishna, Rama, we sing bhajans, read poems in our scriptures. So what he's saying is unless you understand the philosophy behind these, then it doesn't help us. They just stay as stories. So he tells his disciples, don't waste time on the grammar because that won't help you reach the self. Understand the philosophy because only that will help you. Is that, is that clear to everyone? Yeah. So what's Bajagorindam about? It discusses the two human motivations in life, the two forces that drive human beings' actions. What is that? Any idea? Desires. Huh? Desires. Acquisition. Acquisition and enjoyment. Exactly. Acquisition, dukkha nivriti. This is a Sanskrit word. Enjoyment, sukhrapti. So the 31 verses in this text point out the futility of external pursuits of mankind. As humans, what we're doing all our lives, we're chasing for name, fame, money, and power, and position. These are the motivations. You dissect anything we do in life, it's fueled by those five. This is what we're all doing. Does everyone agree with that? So it speaks of the delusion in human beings in pursuing the external world for peace and happiness. We already discussed that there is no real happiness in the world. It is all temporary. Hmm? The newcomers may not understand that right now, but you will soon. <laughs> so this text gives out the basic instructions on life. Urges one to seek the self, only then one will be happy and one will reach the goal of human life. So it basically provides practical ways to conduct yourself in the world while going through various experiences. Motivates one to inquire into the truths of life, to regain one's original identity, reach the supreme state, become one with God. Yeah? That's just an introduction to the text. Just so you get an idea of which way to approach it. 
So let's see. We'll get through about five or six verses today. So if everyone goes to <coughs> verse one, any questions, by the way? Any uh, questions on what is this about? Any newcomers? Anybody? Oh, anyone? Okay. So if anybody has any questions at any time, just raise your hands and get my attention. Yeah. Is everyone clear about um, what what it means to seek the self? See, we as human beings, we're in this world going for experience to experience. What all the scriptures are saying, all the great saints, Buddha, Christ, Krishna, is this isn't you. For you, the goal as a human being is to become one with God, to find God and to become one with him. So look within, he's within you, and this is your goal in life. Nothing in the world will give you the happiness that you're looking for. Only when you reach that goal, you'll be permanently happy. So Jesus Christ, Buddha, Krishna, they're all self-realized souls. They've reached that state. And that's why we look up to them, because we aspire to get to that state ourselves. And this is what all the scriptures are talking about. So when he says, seek the self, seek the self, meaning this is your true, mo this is your true reason of a human birth, to reach that goal. Don't waste your time. That's what it means by seek the self. Yeah. Just to give an idea, because this, that line is said many times in, in these uh, verses. So just to make it clear. So the way we'll do is, um, the chant is in Sanskrit. So I'll chant it first. And then whoever wants to uh, chant with me the second time, they're welcome to. So. Bajagovindam, Bajagovindam, Govindam, Bajamuda Mate, Samprapte Sanni Te Kale, Nahi Nahi Raksati Dukrin Karane. Bajagovindam, Bajagovindam, Govindam, Bajamuda Mate, Samprapte sanni te kale, nahi nahi rakshati dukhran karane. So what does that verse say? Seek the self, seek the self, seek the self. O foolish mind, at the destined time, mundane activity never indeed would save you. That's the translation of that verse. So, he says, seek the self three times. Why three times? Why do you think he says it three times? Hmm? Make a point. Make a point, yes. Any? Most important thing. Body, mind, and intellect. We're made up of the three components, body, mind, intellect. And the fourth component is the self. So he's saying, Seek the self three times for the body, the mind, and the intellect. Yeah, so that's why I say it's three times. It's the body, mind, intellect that indulges, contacts the world. Anything we do in the world is we use the body, the mind, intellect. Feed the senses, that's the body. We feed the mind emotions, that's the mind. And thoughts for the intellect, so three times. So what is he saying? 
we get lost in these three. These are the three ways we go astray in the world. So he's saying, while you're acting in the world, don't forget the self. Don't forget God. Don't forget Brahman. You have to act in the world because we're here. But at the same time, keep, keep one aspect of your thoughts on the higher while you're acting. And he's saying, don't waste your time with his mundane activities. Mudamate means foolish mind. It is the mind that looks for instant pleasures and doesn't understand the self within. And he says, fools, fools. Why is he saying fools? This is the, you have to imagine the way he's talking. He's talking to his, his disciples yeah, while he's walking. So how we'd have conversation with our friends, this is how he's talking. So don't take it literally as, oh, he's calling me a fool. Yeah, please. Yeah, this is just a way they're talking. Saying, saying fools. Why? Because we have a potential. As a human being, we have a potential to reach our goal. Only a human can reach the self. Why? We said it in the last class. Subtle intellect, exactly. Exactly right. Only a human being can think of God. No animals can think of God. Only a human being can reach that state. So he's saying, fools, you're wasting your time in the world. Don't waste your time. Why are you wasting your time playing with toys in the world? Name, fame, power, money, you regard as toys. Nothing is going to come with you when you leave. Only your knowledge and wisdom on the higher will come with you to the next life. We're all Hindus, so we believe in reincarnation. So he's saying, none of this will come with you. Only the knowledge will come with you. So don't waste this opportunity. It doesn't mean you shouldn't enjoy everything in the world. Please don't misunderstand, yeah? But we shouldn't give it the exaggerated value we give to everything in life. Remember, the higher. This is what he's saying. There is a higher goal. And only this will give you permanent happiness. This is what he's saying. It's not saying give up what you have now or what you enjoy. It's just saying take up something higher, such as this knowledge. But you're all here, so you're all doing that anyway. See, what happens is when you take the higher, higher knowledge, the lower falls away. Your lower desires start disappearing. Like kids, you know, kids are playing with toys. Suddenly you give them a, a tricycle or a bicycle. They forget their toy. They start playing on their bicycle. They've taken up something higher. The lower falls away. Similarly, in life, right now we're playing with name, fame, power, money. If you take up something higher, those will start slowly falling away. Your interest in those will start falling away because you're taking up something higher. Just like the child is taking up a bicycle. He forgets some of his toys. Similarly, we're playing with toys. Take up something higher, those will start falling away. This is what he's saying. See, yeah, if you look at life, we're, like I said, we're, we believe in reincarnation. If you look at life, we had a previous life before this, Anita. 
this is our life now. There will be another life afterwards. It's because we only see this particular life as one life, we forget the past and the future. So he's saying, if you see life as a continuation from the past and the future, this is just a short step. Prepare for the next life. Take up some knowledge, higher knowledge, so that you're prepared in your next life. You're in a higher level, your higher state. This is what they're saying. Okay, makes sense. So don't look at life as just this. I need to be between now and until you pass. Look at it as the next person who is going to be born. The previous life, the actions you did. The previous actions that you did in your previous life has brought you to this level in this lifetime. So the next lifetime, do something good, something higher, so you're in a better state next life. So look at life as a continuation of the past. This is what he's saying. Any questions on that? Is it quite clear? Okay. So it's quite, uh, the, this particular sub, um, text is very practical. Um, you can apply it straight away when you leave the class um, in your daily routine. So um, practically, when mm. you say prepare in this life for the next, practically, how does one prepare? By... Like in everyday yeah. life? Becoming more unselfish. Understanding that you're full of desires. Feeding your desires is not going to help you. The mind will have more. Developing your intellect to control the mind. Thinking of the higher. Don't forget the self while you're acting in the world. These are the kind of things that you could bear in mind while you're acting. How can I serve? Après vous. These are the kind of things you can keep in your daily routine. Just learning to become more unselfish. If you can just do that, that, will, that is sufficient for now. Verse 2. Muda jahihi danagama trishnam kurusat buddhim manasi vitrishnam yallabase nijakarmopatam vittam te navinodaya chittam. Muda jahihi danagama trishnam Kurusat puttim manasi vitrishnam Yallapa se nijakarmopatam Vittam te navinodaya chittam O fool, give up your thirst for aggrandizing wealth. Create in your mind the thought of reality instead of the thirst. Whatever you gain from your action, content your mind with that wealth obtained. So, this verse is saying, give up your thirst for wealth, the craving for wealth. Instead, think of the reality, self, God. So he's talking about wealth. So what is wealth? 
What can we do with wealth? We're all chasing it. Anyone here not chasing wealth? <laughs> We're all chasing it. What, what is wealth? How would you describe wealth? Money. Money. Okay. I think um, comfort and personally I, I feel that if you if you've got sufficient wealth you can then maybe free up your mind with thinking of something else. So when is enough enough? <laughs> this is the problem. Subjective, isn't it? This is the problem. It's never enough. If you're all truthful to yourself, it's never enough. Yeah, this is the problem we have. What can we do with wealth? Let's see. Okay. Let's see how we can work out how much is enough, yeah? What can we do with wealth? Let's work out what we can do with wealth. Buy things. Buy things, okay. <laughs> Buy things. Buy things for what? For your desires. For your desires, yeah. Survival. Survival. Comfort. Okay, comfort. See, in a Vedantic perspective, wealth is a commodity. Yeah, you buy wealth. You can't do anything with wealth unless you exchange it for something, correct? Yeah, you can't have thousands of pounds under your pillow. You can't do anything with that. Unless you exchange it for something, it's useless. You know, in India, the rupee got devalued. Everyone had 2,000 rupees, 1,000 rupees, 500 rupees. It was worthless overnight. So unless you exchange it for something, there's no value to wealth, correct? So what can it be exchanged for? Sense objects. It caters to our five senses. What's our five senses? Anita, you know this quite well. <laughs> Touch, smell, Touch, taste. smell, taste. Color for eyes. Yeah, we can buy color for eyes. Sound for ears. Taste for tongue. Smell for nose. And touch for skin. That's it. Nothing else. We can't buy anything else. You can't exchange money for anything else besides to cater to those five senses. You think about it. With wealth, you can't buy love. Your own kids' love you can't buy with wealth. Your partner's love. You can't buy pure knowledge with wealth. So, literally, wealth means sense objects. So he doesn't say give up your wealth. Don't misunderstand. He says give up the craving, the greed, the obsession for wealth. There's no harm in gaining wealth. Why does he say give up the greed, the obsession, the craving? Why do you think he says that? It causes agitations. It causes agitations, mental agitations, yeah. Never happy. Never happy. You're constantly keeping chasing it, absolutely. See, the craving, desire destroys you. You should earn based on your needs and a bit extra for security. Whatever your needs are, you need a Rolls Royce, you, keep, you earn enough for a Rolls Royce. There's no limit to 
you know, you know uh, to what you can buy with it. You want to go first class everywhere? Make sure you have enough money to go first class. So he's not saying don't earn money, but it's the craving. See, what happens is we spend all our life trying to earn money, and we never spend the time to enjoy it. And before you know, your health is gone, you can no longer enjoy your wealth. Others end up enjoying it. Not spending. Yeah? <laughs> Others end up enjoying it. That's how I'm going to enjoy it. <laughs> Good for you. You think about it. We're so caught up in collecting wealth, making money. When do we actually spend it? When do we supposed to spend it? Mine says it's never enough. So when do we spend it? This is the problem. The craving, the greed consumes us. We can't think clearly when to spend it. This is the problem. This is what he's saying. So this is the value of wealth. He's just explaining what wealth is. There's a lot of cases we know. People have saved up, saved up, saved up. Now they can't spend it because they're in phys bad health physically. You know, um, I knew someone who spent his whole life making money, millions. He had never had time to spend it. In the end, he became ill. And then he realized when he was about to die, he had a very short life left, that he's wasted his whole life trying to, this is a true story, trying to get wealth, but he never actually spent time thinking how to spend it. It's like you're having a, one bowl of rice a day and you got, go down full of 100 tons of rice. What's the point? This is what he's saying. It's not only collecting wealth. Think about spending it, how to spend it. So he's saying, whatever you get, be satisfied, meaning enjoy that. He, teach, he tells you how to look at wealth now. If you have the capacity, then earn more. But what do we do? When I get that much, I'll be happy. We always say, when I get this much, I'll be happy. When I get this much, I'll be happy. But the mind we know, we've discussed, is never content, never happy. So you, you will never be happy until you get that much. You say, okay, million pounds. You get a million, then the mind says, okay, let's go for a little bit more. Then it becomes two million, three million. So what he's saying, be happy with what you have now, and you have the capacity to earn more, earn more. But don't base your happiness on future. When I get this much, or when I get that, don't base it on that, because that will never happen. The mind will always pitch up more. So be happy all the time with whatever you have. Never let your happiness be dependent on future acquisition, something you have not yet got. Shift your focus from wealth to the higher values of life, which is what we're studying here in the classroom. We said, when we start thinking of the higher values, the lower thoughts for wealth slowly fade away. Once again, he says, fool, meaning don't waste your life, seek the self. Right now, we can't think of the self. We're thinking of money, but at least give money the right value, the way he's, taught, way, way he's saying it. So you don't get consumed. Any questions on wealth? Is that quite clear? Does that yeah. So these are practical tips. You can leave now and think, okay, wealth, what do I do with it? How much have I got? 
Okay, what, what do I need it for? What am I going to use it for? How much more do I need to earn? You can look Isn't at it practically. That, um, uh, fulfilling your desires then. So what that if you've got the wealth and mm -hmm. you want to spend it and you're saying spend it, mm -hmm. so doesn't that fulfill your desires? And then you'll have more desires after that. So just repeating <coughs> itself. But you're, you need to change your desire to seek the self. <laughs> the wealth can't buy the self. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. We already discussed in the previous yes. book that our goal in life is to reach the self. How do you reach the self? How do we gain the self? How do we get to the self? What's that formula? Reduce the desires. Reduce the desires. So you're actively spending money and reducing your desires. Where's the problem? I don't have a problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> then in the sense, rather than uh, giving emphasis spending money, give emphasis to, okay, I, uh, this is a strong desire, I need to buy this. Nothing wrong with that. I need an S-Class Mercedes. It's a strong desire, I've got the money, let me go and buy it. You go and buy it. But at the same time, when you buy it, you say, okay, you know, I'm fulfilling this desire, you know, but I have to be careful with my desires because my ultimate goal is to reach, this, reach my goal as a human being, to reach the self, reach, become one with Brahman. This is what the scriptures are telling me to do. So let me fulfill, I've, I can't control this desire, let me fulfill it. But knowing I'm fulfilling my desire, knowing that I can't control it, but my ultimate goal is this. So then you're, you're not in yes, increasing your desires, yeah? That's a practical way of thinking. So that's where the intellect comes in. Is your question, can I just ask, can I clarify? Is your question saying that once you've fulfilled that desire, you've almost eliminated it? Um, if that could be one way of getting rid of that desire. Yeah, so then once it's eliminated, at least you're free from that. Yes. And money can help you do that. Yes. Absolutely. But you're saying if other desires might manifest through that process. Yes, then what do you do? This is where the intellect comes in. Okay, I don't need that. But you always feel that you need it. I know, you that's the mind. You always something, right? So that's the mind. The mind would always feel that, no matter what. But this is why we need to develop that reasoning factor within us, thinking, do I need that? The mind says, yeah, yeah, of course you need it. The intellect must kick in and say, you know what, I've got three of those already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I don't need it. Let me step back and think about it. You know, that's why these shop windows have big sale signs with everything there for you to, when you're passing by, they want to attract to you, you know? This is where they, they, they know the mind is like this. They know. Cars, every three years, they bring a new model out. Why? They know. Human beings, minds, this is how they behave. They'll see the new model, they'll buy it. You buy a new model and you think, you know, my old car was much better than this. But it's too late. This is how the mind functions. And they know. So this is where you need to get that intellect developed slightly so you can control those thought processes of the mind. Remember, that's my mind talking. I'm not going to listen to it. That's a way of doing it. Where you can, that's my mind. I'm not going to listen to it. It'll subdue slowly, it'll go away. But the more you think about it, the stronger that desire becomes. Mm -hmm. This is the problem. You see something in a window, you think, I'm going to just, just close your eyes and walk, I'm walk in. Otherwise, the mind becomes involved in it. But then, you've had some personal experience. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
you're saying the more you focus on the higher, the lower things start to drop off. Yeah. So, for example, in the morning you pick up a book and you, th you study for 10 minutes a couple of these verses. You're now thinking of the higher. Your mind is now set on something beyond this world, beyond your five senses, beyond sense objects. So that then stays with you during the day. You just have to put a little effort in in the morning. That's why they say study in the morning, because that's, that bit of studying keeps you in control throughout the day, keeps your mind under control. So this is how you do it. Just spend five, ten minutes in the morning. Just reading, you know, it doesn't have to be this, but anything of higher values, higher knowledge. Is it? So that's catering to the mind. See, devotion is catering to the mind. Knowledge is catering to the intellect. And we're trying to develop the intellect so it can control the mind. The mind enjoys the prayers, the devotion, the singing. Nothing wrong with it, okay? But you're catering to the mind. The intellect doesn't uh, develop in doing the devotion. Yeah. It has a place. But we're talking about controlling the mind here. So that for that, you need knowledge. The intellect needs higher values, higher thinking. This is where this comes in. See, this, is, this knowledge is talking about how to control the mind. Only the intellect can control the mind. That's why. Is that clear? Any, any other questions? So you can combine the two. That's awesome. Yeah. Read a bit and then do another thing. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Then so you're pacifying the mind. Nothing wrong with that. Once it's pacified, the intellect is available for you to start thinking. Otherwise, because you're so used to doing that, Mara and Lilo, that you feel happy with, you understand, you, why you understand why you're doing it. Carry on doing it. Don't stop. Uh, we're not saying no. We're not saying that you should stop that. That, but understand, have a bit of knowledge as well, because even that you'll have a better understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it. Right now, we're doing it mechanically. Wake up in the morning, we do it mechanically, like brushing our teeth. We're doing it mechanically. Okay, uh, we don't understand why we're doing it and what we're doing. It's just part of our routine. So, with a bit of knowledge, you understand why you're doing it. It has more meaning then. This is what we're saying. Any other clarifications on that? So, which, the two motivations in the beginning they said acquisition and enjoyment. We acquire and we enjoy. So verse 2, we just covered, was talking about wealth. Now we look at verse 3. Naristana barana nabidesam tristva maga mohavesham Etan mam sava sadivikaram 
मनसि विचिन्तय वारम वारम नरिस्तन बरनाम Seeing the bosom and navel of a woman, do not fall a prey to frenzied delusion. It is a modification of flesh, fat, etc. Reflect well in your mind over and over again. Now, please don't misunderstand this verse. Okay. This was written 800 AD. What we're talking about is sense objects. Women represents all man sense objects. We're now in time of equality. So any fair it says woman please replace it with man, yeah? <laughs> so first we were talking about wealth. Now we talk about garmani, woman. man meaning enjoyment say so highlights woman or man why for enjoyment we're talking about five senses why does it talk about a man or a woman why do you think you cover all the five senses perfect Deepa's got it right. When you're enjoying the company of a man or a woman, you're contacting that person with all five senses. You're seeing the person. <coughs> you're hearing the, his or her sweet voice. You're smelling their perfume, touch, etc. So all five senses are used when contacting the opposite sex. So that's why they use that. It covers all the senses. It's the most powerful of enjoyments because it uses all five senses. You know we talked about creatures like the fish has one sense, taste. Angler attracts it with a bit of food, catches it and it dies. the deer is to drums drums it hears the drums gets hypnotized it gets caught elephant is to t- skin touch it gets caught so we have all five senses so we have to be so careful it's saying so man or woman uses all five senses you build a house with your money that you have earned and then you enjoy it by living in it you buy a car you enjoy driving it so a whole life is based on this enjoyment there's no problem with this but once again the mind automatically craves for this the enjoyment of the senses so once again what he's saying is by all means enjoy life enjoy everything but the, give up the craving for this enjoyment you know we said craving for wealth here is saying craving for enjoyment nothing wrong get whatever you want enjoy it it's there to be enjoyed they wouldn't make mercedes and rolls royce if people weren't going to buy and enjoying it is there you can afford it you buy it but give up your craving for this enjoyment 
So how do you deal with this? How do we do? How do we? It's easy for me to say, give up your uh, craving for this enjoyment. How practically can we do that? Then you can't leave this class and say, okay, I must forget, give up my enjoyment now, or my craving for this. You can't practically do it. So he gives an example how to do it. That as I said, this text is a practical tips of how to conduct life. So he gives us a solution. It's called pratipaksha bhavna in Sanskrit, which means re-evaluate the world and see it from a different angle. Okay, you see a man, I'm going to say man in this class anyway. You see a man that you like, a person, especially the youngsters here. What is he like about this person? Is it the skin you like? The way they look? Take the skin and see what it's like on its own. That beauty is gone. Is it the person's teeth that you like? Take all the teeth out and imagine them on its own, he's saying. <laughs> Do you still like it? Bujat, remember this one, yeah? <laughs> is it the person's hair? Imagine the hair on its own. So, see the person as just fat, bones, skin, blood. Individually, if you see these things, you'll run. Yeah. So this is what he's saying, practically. So, you look at wealth, for example. You see so many wealthy people, they're so unhappy. You know, people commit suicide, they're so rich, and kids are committing suicide, and they're all looking for new things all the time. They don't, they don't come across as being happy, even though they have so much wealth. They have the fear of losing their wealth. That doesn't, that, so that's a constant fear for them. So when you're dealing with sense objects, view it from a different angle, they're saying. Not just like, oh, I like that. Think about it from a different perspective. When you see it from a different perspective, you're more careful and you don't rush into it. So he's once again saying, don't let the mind take the better of you. Think about it. You meaning, once again, use the intellect. Think of with the intellect. Don't just jump into it. Don't rush into it. He's giving you practical tips. Reflect before plunging in. Think about it. Just imagine man's teeth on his own before. So he's got such beautiful teeth. <laughs> I like that guy. He's got nice teeth. Just imagine his teeth on in a in a plate. <laughs> It's basically, don't plunge into it. This is what it's saying. It's same as saying, going past a shop window, don't just go in there and buy it. Think about it. Do I need that? Yeah. So in the same way, even if you see a human being, it's talking about human being because it's the most powerful. All five senses go for it. Think about it. What is it that I like about this person? Please, um, just a clarification, Andy. Um, in a lot of the other scriptures, uh, Swamiji is obviously highlighting, say, divorce rates around the world, which are very, very high, especially in the Western world. Now, in context with this verse, if the five senses are so powerful to man and woman, why is that statistic still there? Is it highlighting um, the strength of your desires for someone else? See, first of all, the mind gets attracted. Is this person suitable for me? We don't think about it. The mind just says, I like that the way the guy look, person looks. I like the car he drives. I, we don't look at 
we look at it only at superficial level. Person is good looking or the movement's a good looking person. You mind man gets attracted easily. And what happens? Before we know, we get married. We don't we not we don't think about it. We can't think about it. We don't have the capability of thinking about it. Because most of us are led by our mind. So then when we find out later on what this person's really like, we understand what they, where this person is. We go beyond their looks. We're looking now at their mind. We're now thinking of the intellect. This person is very selfish. I never knew you were selfish. You're already married. Yeah. It's too late. So what happens? You get divorced. But is it because we get neutralized to that person or because we don't understand ourselves? It's both. We only understand from the mind level. This is the problem. And the mind, after a while, gets neutralized to everything. Unless we have a deeper understanding, we get neutralized. And that's why there's such a high rate of divorces. Everybody wants things their way. No one is ready to give in. And there's no compromise between relationships. It has to be done this way. The person says, no, I want to do it this way. Conflict. This is, this is how it is, in the simple terms. Marriage is giving and taking. Relationships are giving and taking. But as human, as human beings, as we're evolving, we're becoming more and more selfish. That's why the rate of divorces is higher and higher. In our parents' time, very few divorces, because they had a better understanding. But we now want instant pleasures as you said rightly last time, we want instant pleasures. If that pleasure is not fulfilled, that's it, I'm walking away. But that's exactly what you just said, that's where it is at the moment. Everything yeah. is instant, everything's accessible. That's right. So anything that doesn't fit in that becomes uh, negative. Yeah, and we don't like it. We want instant pleasure. So that, this is all mind level. This is Everyone's acting on the mind level. This is the problem. Verse 4. Let me prepare. They're laughing at the uh, short words. Oh, yeah. Nalitalagata jala matitaralam tadva jivita matisaya chapalam vidhi vyadya bhimanagrastam Lokam sokatam cha samastam Nalini dalagata jalamati talaram tadva jivitamati saya chapalam Vidhi vyadya bhimanagrastam Lokam sokatam cha samastam Water on a lotus leaf is extremely unsteady. So also is life, very unstable. Understand that the entire world, consumed by disease and conceit, is smitten with sorrow. So this verse is known for its metaphor on life's instability. So what's he saying? Our life is very unstable. He compares it to a drop of water on a lotus leaf. And a lotus leaf has a waxy surface. 
when I drop, it, it doesn't absorb it. It just finds the quickest way to fall off. So he's saying our life is just like that. What he's trying to say, Sankara, is that life is uncertain. It can be taken away at any time. There's no guarantee. People don't realize this. People know, but we don't believe it. Please don't misunderstand. He's not trying to make you feel bad. Yeah, I don't want... But saying, wake up. But to wake you up from your belief that I will live till old age. Everyone believes they're going to live till old age. So he's saying, wake up. Anything can happen at any time. He passed away at 32 years old. It's funny, actually, a lot of self-realized people, they pass, they pass very young age, but they, they, they do so much. You know, most of these self-realized souls uh, who have written these texts, Ramatita, 32. Sankara, 32. I can't explain it, but... And then they've done so much at that, such a young age. So he's saying, make every action as if it is your last. Anything you do, do it as if it's your last action. You know they say, live life every day as it's your last. This is what he means. They probably took that from this, this verse. <laughs> make every action if it's your last. So realize, life is very fragile, very precious. So put in your effort to evolve spiritually and to reach the ultimate goal. Please don't misunderstand. It's not saying expect the worst, okay? It's not saying that. I don't want you all leaving today thinking I'm so miserable after this class, yeah? <laughs> I mean, I'm not trying to do that. It's just making you aware of the facts of life. It's true. Preparing you for all eventualities in life. See, this is another way of looking at life. We're not, we're not used to looking at life in this way. So it's just giving you some clarity. Look at life this way. Have you ever think of, have you thought about this? I'm happy today, but anything can happen tomorrow. It's a fact. So you can't waste time. Do all the things you want in life while you can. But also keep moving towards the higher. You can't afford to lose a minute. This is what he's saying. So he describes life. There's a story in our scriptures. There's a hunter. Shikari, they call. He's in the jungle. He's hunting for whatever he's hunting for. A tiger sees him and starts chasing him. He climbs up on a tree to escape from the tiger. And he hangs off a branch. The tiger is waiting at the bottom, thinking this guy's going to fall sooner or later. The branch he's holding onto is overlooking a river, and it starts creaking. The branch starts creaking. Waiting at the bottom in the river, there's a crocodile. <laughs> You're getting the picture. Is is you know practicing opening and closing, ready for him to fall. Then if that's not bad enough, he kicks a beehive, and the bee starts stinging him. Now, in between all this. Some drops of honey is falling from the beehive. 
he sticks his tongue out and says, Hmm, that's so nice. Yeah? This is life. Anytime something can happen, but we get a little taste of honey and we think everything is alright. We forget how fragile it is. Think about it. That's why they, 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 they put it in that way, so it doesn't leave your mind. But it's true though, isn't it? Diseases, or anything can happen at any time. But because we're alright, we think, it's okay, life's good. Sorry, go. uh, just a reference point, Andy, when someone passes away and we go to sing bhajans, there are a couple of bhajans, Gujarati bhajans, which state that our life is like a droplet of water on the lotus leaf. This is, I just wanted to point out, this is where the reference comes from. Mm. See, a lot of, you know, a lot of the sayings we have in, uh, even in English, it, it all comes from these basic scriptures, but somewhere down the line, you know, someone said it and they've taken it and put it in another book and so on. But this is the source of a lot of these sayings. This is practical, practicality. So, saying just be careful in life, you know, don't take it for granted. Anything can happen anytime. You know, just make every action count. But don't we all think about what would happen if we died? Or, you know, what if something happens to that person? Or at least once or twice, or, you know, a week, or maybe even less. Or even less. We think well, about. We all, we all do think about like, what would happen if I died and what effect would I have on everybody else? Or if, what if that person dies, what effect? But we don't think of it that often if you think about it. I mean, how many people here think of death? If I'm going to die, what's going to happen? Not many people think that because we get too involved in the world. We're involved in the world, you see? We think we're going to live forever. There's a reason why we think that, by the way. There is a reason. You well, think the opposite, think actually. Yeah. Yeah. You're, nothing's going to touch you. When life is going good for you, you believe that nothing's going to touch you, you're immortal, so you don't think about it, really. I think also when somebody dies within your family, you think, yeah. oh my God, you know, it's temporary, it's temporary, you see, it's saying, this is saying, remember, you're not going to live forever, okay, you don't know how long you've got, so today, Act as if it's your last day. Put, enjoy your life. Put every effort into it. But at the same time, think of the higher. This is what it's saying. This is the theme of all these verses. Do everything you're doing. Green light for everything. But don't forget the higher. Don't get too involved in the world. Where it consumes you. Because this is what's happening to us. There is something beyond this world. Think of that while you're acting in the world. So he's telling you how to enjoy life. Act today as if it's your last day. Every action, make it as, as if your last, meaning enjoy it. Don't do it half-heartedly. Have the whole pizza. <laughs> Don't go halfway. <laughs> enjoy it if it's your last pizza. <laughs> 
you know. But this is how they're actually telling you to enjoy life. It's not, you know, adding negativity. It's just saying, but don't forget, there is more to it. Don't get caught up in this world. See, ultimately, when we reach the final end of this scriptures, what does it tell you? I'll let you into a secret. The world is an illusion. It's not real. But right now, that doesn't mean anything to you. But actually, the world is an illusion. One day, you'll be, one day you will understand that. Hmm? It's like a dream. It's like Inception. It's like Inception, yeah. But ultimately, that's what it, the, the scriptures are saying. But right now, we don't understand that. Hence, they're saying, enjoy it. Enjoy the illusion. Yeah. Whatever you do, enjoy it. Think of the higher. See, when you think of the higher, then one day you'll come out of this illusion. It's like you being in a dream and you're waking up in the morning. You've had a, a lovely dream or you've had a nightmare, but you're waking up. Similarly, you understand when you wake up, that was a dream. Similarly, what they're saying is one day you'll wake up from this dream. It's just an illusion. One day you'll wake up. So when you become one with God, self-realized, like Jesus, Buddha, Krishna, that is, you've reached that state where you've now realized this is a dream. That's why they say, don't waste your time here. That's what all the self-realized people are saying. Don't wait. Why are you wasting your time? Because they but now understood that it's a dream. But right now, we're still in it. We haven't got to that stage. So, this is what it's saying. Think of the higher while you're, while you're acting. So, Anita, you had a question? Uh, no, oh, I was okay. just going to say what she's saying. Sometimes, like, someone passes away in your family, then you automatically start thinking um, about death and what will happen to you, and then you try and change the next person for their better. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> once that once that person is cremated or is six foot under, after a few weeks, we forget everything. Uh, no, really, it depends <laughs> how too hard you take it, and yeah. then you. You see, we death. You try and do your actions accordingly. You see, if you understand what death is, um, which we dis we covered in the beginning, yeah, this is just one life. Take it not as this life, take it as a continuation of your past lives and your future lives. Then there's no death, is there? It's just death of the body. Mm. You're going to be taking a, you could, be have a, you could have a, a better, uh, next life could be even better than this. It's just death of the body, nothing else. And why is the body die? Because it's become old and it can no longer fulfill your desires. That's why the body has to die. Your desires are so powerful, you need a new body now. That's why you die. Ultimately. Because it's your desires that propel your life. When you cannot fulfill those desires anymore, the body dies and a new body takes over. So you can continue fulfilling those desires. So don't look at life, this particular life, as death. It's a continuation of all your past. This is just one snippet of it. Only when you reach your goal, no more reincarnation. This is what our scriptures are saying. This philosophy is saying. That's what Hinduism believes in. So you just hope to meet that person in the next life, in one form or another. Which person? Or whoever. <laughs> whoever's close to you in this life. 
You see, it depends on your desires. That's why they're saying if you think of the higher, you've got higher values, or desires are of a more noble ideal, more higher ideal, you know, wild and worldly. So the next chances are the next life, if your thoughts are on that, your desires are to fulfill to become self-realized or become more spiritually evolved. So you're automatically going to be born in an environment which will allow you to fulfill those desires, isn't it? This is the idea. This is why they're saying think of the higher. So that in your next lifetime, if you don't reach the goal this time, next lifetime at least you'll be in an environment where you can carry on thinking of that. So that's why saying think, carry on, think of that, even while you're acting. Think of that. So that even if you die, those thoughts are with you in your next life. Nothing else can come with you. So what's the point? This is what it's saying. Can I just clarify, but did you mean that when somebody close that passes away, you have the hope of meeting them yes, in your next it's lifetime? It's comforting yourself. Obviously you don't know when you get to the next life. You won't know you are this person. But a lot of times, even like in, like in this life, you come across people that you get attached to so quickly. Because mm. it could be something... And you feel you've known them before. Some attachment from previous life. It's possible. It's possible. You might meet someone better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you leave it to... Yes, obviously, you don't think... That thing. <laughs> but as you said, it's comforting to think. Think of the higher. When you lose someone close, that mm. you will see them next time. If it helps you to deal with the with mm. the issue, then why not? Mm. Nothing wrong with it. Probably yeah. Help. yeah, nothing wrong with it. Mm. But we don't know what's going to happen in our next life. And let's just let's worry about this lifetime right now. We're here right now. We can do things. What the future? You put the right action in now. The future will be sorted, guaranteed. We can change our future right now. Okay. Let me see if I can attempt this one. <laughs> Yavat Vito Parjana Sakta Stavanija Parivaro Raktaha Paschari Batija Jaradehe Bartam Kopina Pritchati Gehe Yavat Vito Parjana Sakta Tavanija Parivaro Raktaha Pascha jivati jara jara dehe Bartam ko pina prichati gehe As long as there is capability to earn wealth, so long would there be a retinue. Later, when he lives with infirm body, none would heed him at home. Sad state of affairs. So here he talks about how to treat wealth. Wealth is just not money, but also means, as we said, name, fame, power, etc. So what Sankara is saying is, while you're earning wealth, you're productive, people will have retinue, meaning followers. 
people will respect you, look up to you. Even your own family members will give you respect while you're earning money. Once you go old, the body becomes infirm. You can't earn wealth, then all that goes out the window. It's a fact of life. So you need to prepare for this, it's saying. Prepare for this. This, is, this will happen, prepare for it. They're telling you how to be practical. Example, sports people, cricketers, footballers, actors, dancers, they're not prepared. And at an early age, like in their 30s, their career is over. They've reached their peak, they've won the Olympic gold, or they've got the Oscar, whatever it is. A cricketer can only play cricket to a certain age. They reach the top, thereafter it's only downhill. They're not prepared for it and they can't handle it. People in this country, for example in the West, they work hard, give their kids the best education, build a nice house, give them the best of everything. What is the reward? We have so many around us. Old people's home. Hmm? Waiting for God. This is where we, in, uh, yeah, in, in Hindu culture at least, you know, kids look after us in some cases and keep us. But in the in the Western culture, okay, we'll we found a nice old people's home. We can die peacefully there. We'll come and see you once a week. Okay. I asked them. I said, oh, when I get old, will you not look after me? Because I've got three of them. The youngest one turned around and said, yeah, we'll put you in the people's hands. <laughs> there you go. See, Sankara knew in 800 AD, this is what will happen to you in 2019. <laughs> Let's start saving. Get a good one. You can put me in a people's home, but you won't have any money because you'll have to sell the house to pay for my care. So that's the so what it's saying, understand, I have value today because I'm earning money. Tomorrow, I'll be all alone. It's a fact. But that also means then don't, um, don't have any expectation. Absolutely. Prepare, this is preparation. You know, everyone loves me. I'm earning money, people respect me. Tomorrow, I can't. I'm old. Nobody wants to come and see you. Nobody wants to know you anymore. That, what I'm saying is that respect and following is gone. This is what it's saying. Prepare for that. Be ready. This will happen. See, so think, if we don't prepare for these things, then we get upset. We become miserable. Yeah? Only because we don't understand. This is how things work. So it's saying prepare for it. Once again, it's giving you practical advice to enjoy life right to the old age. Yeah, this is what's going to happen. Your kids don't want to know you. It's fine. I'm ready for it. I expect it. But if it doesn't happen, it's fine. I'm more happy. But it's okay. What society values today? Young, young generation, what does society value today? <coughs> Where have you been all these classes, man? You're reading my text. <laughs> Huh? <laughs> Likes on Facebook, followers on Instagram, bank balance, size of house, type of car, everyone wants to be famous. 
This is what society values, isn't it? How does this equate to happiness? How does that equate to happiness? Likes on Facebook. Young guys, come on. Likes on Facebook. Followers on Instagram. How is, does that equate to happiness? Jay, enlighten us. How does it equate to happiness? <laughs> <laughs> Validation. Validation. But you don't need validation. You are who you are. You need to validate yourself. Why? Why are you allowing other people to tell you to feel that I should feel good or not today? You look at other people's likes and you feel miserable. You see your likes. You see, when you look at someone below you, you're happy. When you look at someone above you, you're unhappy. There'll always be someone above you. So why do we let society tell us what, what should make us happy? You can have all this and still be miserable. This is life. Understand. Be prepared for it. So, you know, you youngster, younger guy, people, don't rely on all this technology for, for your happiness. It's, you feel happy from within yourself. Don't let the society or the world tell you when you should be happy or not. Don't be dependent on it. See, in the, see this is what we value today. In the old days, even kings went to wise men for advice. Person had nothing, but he had wisdom. And a king went there, what shall I do in this case? Shall I fight, shall I not fight? Shall I marry? Shall I not marry? <laughs> they went to a wise person for that. These days we listen to rich people, famous people for advice. Because this is what we value. Steve Jobs said this. Why, why, why does it matter what he says? He's rich and he's famous. Absolutely. Exactly. So what they're saying is, don't, don't be dependent on all this. You see, ultimately, we're all a higher being. We're not this body, mind, intellect. We're the ultimate being. God is within us. What, what difference does it make? Just take on higher values. Then, as soon as you take on higher values, you won't be dependent on all this nonsense. This is what they're saying. See, he was saying this even before Facebook came out. We're going to stop there. I can see everyone's eyes are getting droopy and <laughs> fatigued. Any questions? Okay. Uh, on the last topic, Andy, um, from a practical viewpoint, how does the youth of today address this rather than getting carried away by fame? Um, you know, the things we talked about, wealth and See, for, to do, deal with this practically, you need a little bit of knowledge. You need a little bit of understanding. Either they would get that, or as an adult, we need to give it to them. You know, 
and from their own experiences with this little bit of knowledge, and then they experience life, then they come to a conclusion. For example, the phone, you said mobile phone. Every few years we change our phone. There's nothing wrong with the old phone, but we change it because new apps. Society. What is a phone? It's supposed to be just to make calls in the olden days, wasn't it? Yeah. Okay, so now it's been more than that. But if your old phone is doing what it's supposed to do, why would you need to change it? Because society tells you. Yeah. So we're falling into this trap because this is how the world is. It wants your money, it attracts you. It wants you to live by their rules. We have to say, no, I want to live by my rules. I'll make my own rules. I'm not going to fall for this trap. That doesn't mean you shouldn't buy a new phone. But don't buy it because they're telling you there's a new model come out. Let's buy it. Everyone's buying it. There's only a thousand. <laughs> huh? This is falling for it, and they want you to fall for it. Basically, all they're saying is, we're talking of the basic facts here. We're made of the body, mind, intellect. If we understand how all those three functions, then that's knowledge, isn't it? I know my mind will be attracted to these things. I know my mind feeds on emotions. I know my mind is on likes and dislikes. I need to control that. I have to develop my reasoning power, my intellect. Okay, only then I can deal with this world. This is how you do it. So it's not something you can just walk out and start doing because the mind is so powerful. We need to understand and slowly recognize this problem that's happening in this world. I think I was watching this quiz program and they're saying how, the question was how many times does a person touch their mobile phone in one day? And, I, and it was, I think the answer was 78, 256, and 2,800 or something, yeah? And the guy went for 256, and that was wrong. It was 2,700 and something that you touch your phone every day. Average. <laughs> I don't know how that's relevant, but anyway, I thought I'd put that in. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see, though, the younger generation are constantly like, whereas yeah. us, we'll just like put it in the handbag or leave it there, and then just now and then look at it. Mm -hmm. So I would say the older generation don't touch it. But the funny thing is, you probably guys have heard. Even but when you go out to eat, your phones are there, aren't you? Unless you've been told, put your phones all over out to eat. But your phones are instantly there. And when you do go out, you see everybody else. Like, yep, yeah, yeah, all the time. But the, the funny thing is. I think the older generation are also quite <laughs> involved. Yeah. I think it's just not as um, visual. Yeah. <laughs> It's on the quiet, isn't it? Yeah, it's <laughs> we do it sneakily, yeah. whereas you do it in our face. Yeah, we're weird because we, it is just what it is, but there, there is a lot of, uh, a lot of we're the like older generation who actually spend more time on the phone. <laughs> like if that. anything, we're like, can you put your phone away? Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Yeah. Just making a point. I absolutely agree with you in, on a wider scheme, but... It is, it is also quite... You're hooked on your phones, we're hooked on the television. Because of the youngsters. Because they encourage you guys. Hey, I'm saying because they're on their phone, I'll be on my phone. But it's just like, because you're the youngsters are on the phone. Yeah. You're not talking to them. 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 But um, I just wanted to highlight one point where Andy said earlier that like Rama Gita Chir, Bhatti Sankacharya Chir, they were self-realized soul by they, 
self-realized souls by the time they were in their 30s, early 30s. Um, is this the reason, Andy, that today, because our desires and the push and pull of the world is so aggressive, that people who should have this knowledge at a very early age are not, how should I say, um, gravitating towards it because of this pull of their desires to the world? The world is a lot more powerful these days than it was when Sankara and Ramatita was around. They were in 1900, uh, Sankara was 788. We have so much out there now for, to, to attract the five senses. They had very little in those days to attract the five senses. This is the difference. So therefore, we're more consumed in the world. And we're, we're more um, looking at the world for our happiness. Before, they were content from within. Whatever they had, two, three meals a day, they did their basic work. They were happy and content. They didn't need anything else. We need everything to keep us happy. And even then, it's temporary. It's more introverted. More introverted. We're more extroverted now. That's why it's difficult to understand this subject. Because to understand this subject, you have to think, you have to go within. See, in the olden days, they had the Upanishads. People read a verse of the Upanishad and understand what it was. And if not, they asked the guru and went and thought about it and came back and said, does it mean this? The guru will say, yes or no. And if he said no, he went back and thought about it. He came back and he said, does it mean this? Yes, it means that. He went and thought about it. We can't do that because we don't have that capability anymore because we're ex very extroverted. So then to explain that one Upanishad, they made the Gita. The Gita we can't understand. Okay. So to explain the Gita, they made smaller stories. This story of the hunter. Yeah, so we can understand what it means. So as it is, they make the diluting and diluting the pure knowledge to make us understand because we're becoming more extroverted. We're not able to think for ourselves. We're not able to go within. Soon they'll be impossible to explain because we'll be so extroverted. This is Kaliuk. This is why it's called Kaliuk. And that note. <laughs> so how is this text compared to the... How is it, Bhattu? Is it more practical? Words are long. I was struggling to even try to keep up with what you were saying. Really? Yeah. Read it. We get a chance to read it. I'll try. <laughs> it's quite practical. Forget the verse, just what it means. Yeah. The commentary. Yeah. 